0: Oh my goodness. Introducing Quandel. He went to Wyoming to meet Kanye West.
1: Who was able to overcome disaster.
0: You've got to listen all the way through to this episode because there is a shocker at the end. Quandel, welcome. Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. First of know, all, right? you just tried to reach Kanye West on foot. Yes,
2: yeah, I know, it's crazy. Almost a four hour walk, yeah. <laughs> Insane. What was going through your head? You know, Kanye is like, he always been like one of my like favorite artists. Like when he first came out, even before he came out, like I knew about the beats he was making for like Dipset and JC, the whole Rockefeller game and all that. But when he became an artist, started dropping music and everything like that, I was like really like, oh yeah, this this is the guy right here. And I've been following him like ever since, ever since I was young. So Me loving fashion like I do and always have, and to see him conquer in that area, like, crazy. It's insane. He's like a genius in that field. I was like, yo, I got to get to this guy somehow, some way. So when I found out he moved to Wyoming, I was like, yo, it might be a better chance for me to reach him in Wyoming than it is in Cali. You know what I'm saying? Like, or Calabasas. And I planned a trip. I was like, I got to go because, you know, some crazy stuff happened to me as far as like finances. Somebody in California got a hold to my bank information, wiped me completely out. So I had like a lot of help from friends and family like that to get me here. And I got here. I got here with a little bit of nothing. And I was like, yo, I got to get to Kanye. So I knew exactly where he was, the ranch, because the ranch used to be like a public ranch for people to like, Ran out hotels on there and everything like that. So since he bought it out, he kept everything the same. So the location is still there, like it's still on the map. Maybe I didn't get the the time frame correctly as far as traveling, <laughs> because when I started walking, it was like four hours, and I'm like, no, I say like twenty three minutes. Yeah, but um, that's only if you in the vehicle. <laughs> so I was like, I'm walking. I gotta go. So Cody, Wyoming is a small town, so it's barely any, like, lifts or Ubers that really work well here. And I was just walking. I was walking for a very long time. Thank God that Cody is a great city. I end up meeting a couple, and they was like, he pulled over. He was like, man, it looked like you about to break down, because I was. Like, I was so far, and the sun was setting. And I'm on this highway. It's nothing but, like, mountains and roads. No street lights, no stores, no nothing. And I was tears just coming out of my eyes. I'm like, man, what am I doing here? Like, <laughs> like I know I'm dedicated, but damn, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I should just stay home. This is crazy. So he took me there. He gave me like 40 bucks. I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a little okay on cash. You know, I'm okay. He was like, no, man, take it. So I get out. I hold my signs up. So Kanye's security sitting right there. He at the gate. He shut the gates. So I'm holding my signs. And it's getting cold. And about 20 minutes, the security guard actually came out. And he approached me very slow. He's like, hey, can I read your sign? I want to figure out what's going on. And so he come, he read the signs. And he was like, oh, I thought you was mad at Kanye. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so he took some pictures of me. He did some video. And I end up making Kanye like a crew neck, a custom crew neck. And I gave it to him, and I gave him a letter that I wrote for Kanye. And he was like, "You know what? I can't make any promises, but I will make sure I do my best to get it to him." He's like, "Man, because you damn near walked here, so I I gotta do that." On my way back, it got really really dark. I lost signal. You know, I'm hearing the coyotes. I am like, "It's about to go crazy. It's about to go down. <laughs> like I'm about to be eaten alive out here." And this other couple ended up stopping. The guy was like, hey, look, man, I know about the stranger danger type stuff, but you got to get this ride. You can't you don't belong out here like this is dead man's land. That's what they call it. He was like, you can ride with my wife because they was riding two cars. So I get in the car with his wife and they brought me all the way back to my hotel room. And that was it. (laughs) That was it. And I was like, that was crazy. That was insane. That was probably one of the craziest things I ever did in my life.
0: Did you hear any coyotes?
2: Yeah, I did. I heard a lot of them. Like, as soon as the sun was setting to a point, it got dark. I heard a lot of them. It got so dark, I couldn't see my hands in front of me. There's no visibility on Route 120. I was like, you know what, I'm about about to lay down. And if I act like I'm dead, maybe somebody will stop. Because everybody want to be a hero? Well, this is the time to be a hero because, dude, I'm not going to make it three hours back to the hotel room. Like, I was just already just so tired and bummed out. It was just insane. Like, Uber didn't even come out that far. Like, it was like, no ride is coming to you. Like, it was just, it was over. I was like, oh my God, what did I do?
0: What did your letter say?
2: So basically, it was just a general letter that I gave to like most of the people here in Cody, Wyoming, just stating who I am like a, a brief introduction of myself and what I did and what I'm doing. What's my, you know, my plans, um, my website, social media, you know, and things like that. So it wasn't nothing really like special, but it was just something on hand for him to know who I am and what was my, you know, my purpose if everything. So yeah, the security guard was very cool. He was very dope. And we talked for about 15, 20 minutes and it it was good. Everything worked out pretty good.
0: That's smart. Making friends with the security guy. Are you guys going to like keep in touch? I don't know. I hope so.
2: You could tell that he was easing up a little bit, and I feel him on that, been a little uptight with, like, unfamiliar faces. I really hope so. I let him know my information was on there. Um, but he did record me and take pictures. He took pictures. of You know, he did that on his own, on his own phone. Hopefully, he do shoot me an email just to let me know what's going on. Or I've been getting, a, let me see, a good amount of reactions on Twitter. You know, some of them was bad. Some of them was good. You know, but hey, you know, any reaction is better than no reaction, so. Tell me about some of the bad and good. Some of the bad, which is kind of funny. So, they was like, one guy was like, I wish he gave a crap. Sorry, they are very selfish. They are a very selfish family. So, I got that one. I also got, do you think you'll get an internship as a designer with signs looking like that? Hey, so I responded. I said, yes, sir. It's called dedication. I'm nuts. They're like, <laughs> I don't really think it's about the sign at this point. <laughs> I got one. You should have walked four hours with some Yeezys. That probably would have worked. And I said, I can't afford them, big dog. Investing money into my business and taking care of my family first. Priorities first, bro. Blessings. So that was just a few. Some people was like, man, that's stupid. I got most of those. That's stupid. One lady was like, oh, Kanye is in Jamaica right now because he did leave like an hour or two before I even started walking. Sucks, right? So Kanye is in Jamaica right now. You better start moving. (laughs) Otherwise, if you had a design, if I had a design company or label, I would hire you and put you in a top position due to your dedication. And because I wouldn't want you to waste your talent on a clown and his ego. God bless. I I got best of both worlds. So that was cool. Did you follow up with that guy? Yeah, I did. I responded to everybody. That person, she was actually flower lee on Twitter. But he said if, if he had a clothing line. So, you know, he don't have one. But he just liked the dedication. And I got a lot of people that said that's dedication. Good work. We love it. A whole, you know, a lot of retweets. You know, so that was cool. Did you get any love from K-Swiss? No. Omar, I know Omar, did he like the picture? And did he say anything? I didn't send anything to Barney. You know, Barney don't really be on social media as much. I kind of write him a lot on LinkedIn. So I'm going to most definitely, like, send him, like, what happened, you know. But I know he'll love it. Like, man, you are, like, insane. But Detroit Bruce, man, he loved it. He was like, yo, <laughs> that's beyond, like, you you did it. You know, like, you left a mark. You did something that a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't do. I was probably one of the first people, that persons, to ever, like, do something like that. I was getting to a point where I felt like he was the person to give me some type of direction. It wasn't really about obtaining like a designer internship. I guess I just kind of like wanted to create something to ask for if I did see him, you know, like, Hey, like a mentorship would be nice. An internship would be nice, but I just need direction. Like where, how do I go about things in the fashion industry? You know, being a black man and also, being self-taught because that play a role too. Like when you self talk a lot of companies don't really want to like deal with you because you quote-unquote uneducated and things like that. You know, I just wanted some advice from him. That would have been perfect. Like even if he just told me a few things and it was like two minutes long, I would have felt successful. It would have been great.
0: You said that in that letter, you were letting people know who
2: you are. Who are mm-hmm. you? Oh, sweet, sweet. So basically, gave him my full name. You know, my name. You know, Quandale Wright, creative director designer, CEO, founder, William Palmer Hum. Based out of Detroit, Michigan. Letting them know that I did the um, the capsule collection with K-Swiss called Unity. That was really dope. Just basically just telling them, you know, about the new upcoming fall collection and things like that, you know, my social media. But to the world and to your audience, I am a designer from Detroit. Black Dawn um, started in 2017, officially. In 2018, I got my first product placement in the Elwood Store in Dearborn. He was like one of my first mentors to ever like give me a chance and it went successful it was it went really well i've met all types of people in that time frame i did my first fashion show with raw detroit 2019 oh and i sent gear to stephen cobb stephen cobb is the ceo of the cfda major really really major so shout out to mr stephen cobb who else i sent gear off to kevin hart i sent gear to his assistant I sent gear to Kevin Hart Stylist, Miss Ashley North. I sent gear to Janae Aiko. I sent gear to all oh, types of people. I'm trying to remember. The problem is they haven't worried yet. <laughs> but I have been in connections with some of the like A-list celebrities and I was blessed enough for them to give me, you know, give me the opportunity to send stuff to. So that's who I am come a designer from Detroit, Michigan. That's striving hard doing his best so
0: your hustle is unmatchable thank you talk to me about where that drive comes from
2: you know I know it's it's cliche but just growing up in a single parent household with other siblings two other siblings two brothers and not having everything my mom she made sure we we made it through we probably didn't get everything we wanted but we got what we needed My mom had me when she was 17, so I practically like grew up with my mom, you know? So I was like seeing the struggles moving here, here and there and there, you know, always constantly moving, always going through things, you know, we having really hard times. And growing up in a neighborhood to where like, there's no hope, there's no opportunities, there's no guidance, that gave me that drive. And I always knew, I didn't want to work for anyone. That's always been me. Like, I'm not being an asshole about it, but I, you know, I looked up to people like Ralph Lauren, rappers like 50 Cent, Kanye West, like Tommy Hill figure. Like, we go through all the, the line, and I'm seeing how successful these people are. I'm seeing how they live. I'm seeing the interviews as a, as a young age, their houses and things like that. And I'm sitting there like, yo, why we can't live like that? Or what I got to do to live like that? And I always heard about hard work and dedication and I was always a visual person. Like I love writing. I love reading. I love drawing. I love clothes. Like I always love clothes. And I didn't have the best clothes growing up. I got bullied for the clothes that I wore. And I was like, man, (laughs) I remember telling somebody like, man, I'm gonna make my own clothes one day and they kind of laughed about it. But what's crazy is, is that I have maybe one of your favorite celebrities wearing my clothes today. And that is really like, really dope. And I spoke that to the existence when I was like in the third grade. And I already knew what I wanted to do. But growing up in an environment to where i been a black guy, growing up in a hood, Detroit, wherever you at, Chicago, Southside, whatever. I want to be a fashion designer. Uh, man, you gay, you weak. You know, that's not, <laughs> that's not typical. That's not, where is that? No, you need to be playing football, basketball, rapping. Drug dealing, like, those are the people that get the credit. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have a limit in the hood of who you should be as a black man. So I kind of kept it to myself. But when I was 13, I created my my very first piece. I took an old shirt, I cut my name out in them, and I stitched it onto my jeans. So I was the only one in middle school with my name going down my pants leg stitched in. And I did it like a hand stitch and people was like, yo, do mine. So that was cool. That was cool. And I, you know, that was, that was kind of dope, but that was my drive. And I I, I already knew like, this is what I want to do. I got to keep striving. But the barriers of coming into the fashion industry is very, very hard to get through. And our culture, the black community, for some reason, we don't know how to support each other at all. It's very hard to get us to love and support each other. And move on. You know what I'm saying? Like it's like a it's like crabs in a barrel. You know, it is. And I'ma just speak the truth about it. It's crabs in the barrel. Anything that we do to try to get successful, we get way down. Like we can't get nowhere. Coming to Cody, going to LA, I got so much love. Like people was like, yo, what's that on your shirt? What's William Palmer? What's this? Dude, what's that? And it wasn't even my people, it was the Asians. It was the white people. It was Arabic. And, you know, they pulling me to the side. Like, yo, what's that? What? We walking down Rodale Drive. Like, dude, what you got on? Where that store at? And I'm like, damn. Well, my people see it. They walk right past me. You know, <laughs> hey, yo, you ain't rocking. Jordan, Gucci, Louis Vuitton. I ain't trying to talk about it. You know, so, yeah, my drive is, I have to. I'm, I'm trying to create, I'm going to create generational wealth. I have to do that. I have to let my daughters and my sons know that it's better. It's something else out here in this world. Like, this is not it. You know, it's so much more out here. And I'm, I don't mind being a sacrifice for that. That's deep. Yeah.
0: I love that story about stitching your name onto your clothes. And have yeah. you ever thought about personalization, like, doing names on shirts? Because I feel like everybody still loves that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, now we use vinyl. So now I have, you know, the the equipment. If you want anything, like, I can make a shirt for your podcast for you just to wear one day. Like, I could do that. That's easy. Slap it on there. I could get the kids. Just send me everybody's sizes. Ship it straight to you. So, yeah, I could do that now. But back then, I had to figure out, like, okay, thread, needle. Okay, sweet. Cut my name out. Stitching in the jeans. Pricking myself like crazy. But I kept doing it until I got better. I don't have to do that no more. But I still kind of stitch a little bit, like hand stitching, here and there if I need to, but now I have a sewing machine. Now I could just, I just run right through stuff if I need to, and it's just, it's good to go, so.
0: I need some Better Call Daddy shirts.
2: Most definitely, yeah, let's get it going. See me the
0: sizes. We should talk about making them for more than just me, like. Oh
2: yeah, you got a website? You can just yeah. send them off
0: Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about putting some together.
2: Let's do that. I love to wear a Better Call Daddy shirt. People will be looking at me crazy. they would be like, yo, what you mean? Like, dude, you got to check her out. This is the podcast. Go on iTunes. Go ahead subscribe. Be a follower. Don't be a hater. You know, do your thing. But, yeah, that's very catchy. I love that name. I see that name. I'm like, oh, man, that's funny. I like that. That's cool. That's dope. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Like, that happened really fast, like almost overnight, because I know you was talking about it. Some weeks then not by or whatever, and you were just going. And I'm like, what's this? What's going on? It turned out good. It turned out good. That's beautiful.
0: Thank you.
2: Yeah, you're welcome.
0: I want to dig deeper into some of the relationships that you have created. Talk to me about how you reached out to K-Swiss and, and why that brand spoke to you.
2: I was just thinking one day, and I know for a fact, I'm like, yo, I know I want a shoe, but I know collaboration is key. I know collaborating with a big brand will always help you get to the next step or whatever the case may be. I was like, well, what brands that people not really maybe not tapping into as heavy? And I just did a list. I was like, you know, everybody know who Nike is. Everybody killing Nike right now. Nike, Jordan, New Balance, Reebok. I was like, K-Swiss. And the reason why I thought of K-Swiss is because my mom, she bought nothing but the white classes. That's all, like, oh my God, like, she has some embryos. And she used to wear these socks that had the little balls at the different colors, because we used to pop them off so we could wear them. (laughs) But she used to wear them socks that matched with the whole fit. You know, she was dripping with that. So I was like, yo, let me see if I can get in touch with K-Swiss. So I looked up who's the CEO of K-Swiss. They had like a previous CEO, it wasn't Bernie. So I did a little bit more research into it. So I went into Google and all that, went to LinkedIn, because I know LinkedIn be having LinkedIn is actually the spot. If you really want to like find somebody you might not be able to find on Instagram and Facebook, that's where to go. And I ended up going on there and I was like, okay, I think I did another search in Google. Mr. B popped up. So we in LinkedIn and I'm like, yo, he don't got this gold membership thing. Like So you can just message him, you know, message him on the spot. Sweet. So I messaged him like, hey, my name is Quindale, fashion designer for Woo 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 Woo, trying to figure out how, I can, how can I get a collaboration? What do I need to do? And it took a minute and I kept sending it and he finally responded like, hey, what's up? And we kind of like exchanged, just conversing. And he told me what I needed to do and things like that. And he was saying like, I could visit like the headquarters, you know, cause they can have people come visit. And I was like, I gotta get there. I eventually got to LA, I went there first. It was like one of my first stops. It was my second stop after I left with Ethica. Went to Case West, met with Omar, met with Barney, and we sat at the conference table. And they were just giving me all the sauce, like everything I needed to do. Like Barney, he was just telling me, like, "Hey, look, you know, that's why I changed my logo." So shout out to Barney. He was like, "Just focus on the fabric." He like, "By you being from Detroit, you can kind of like use Detroit too in a way, because see, you know, Barney is more like a street wear." type of guy you could tell and my brand I really like street rare like I'm more like I'm trying to get into like the high-end type you know casual look but I'm kind I'm getting what he's saying and I still got like the notes that he wrote I got them to this day and I had one over them and I was like yo well that is dumb to put Palmer in the hum. might as well just put the whole thing on there so I shrunk everything to micro size once I did that Things is like looking up for me. A lot of people people's getting more interested. It looked at more simple. It looked at more smooth, more official. And I was like, this is it. So shout out to B for that advice. I appreciate that. And, you know, shout out to Omar as well for uh, giving me good advice and being motivation to me all the time. So that was really cool. And after that, we just stayed connected. But how the unity started, which is kind of crazy. Detroit Bruce. You, do you follow Detroit Bruce? Just because of you. Okay, that's my man. That's Dan Gilbert, best friend. Didn't know the protest was going on and everything. One, you know, after the George Floyd tragedy, he was going to go walk. He was going to go do the walk downtown with the Detroit Lions. He got invited to go with the Lions to do the walk on Belle Isle, the Belle Isle Bridge and so forth. So I know I had to, I was meeting up with him because I had a birthday gift for him. And we was finally going to meet. It was still like quarantine. Yep, yep. So we were still going to meet somewhere. He got the connect, So that was cool. We still got into a restaurant. And I was like, yo, do you want me to make you a shirt? And he was like, yeah. I was like, what you want on it? Do you want like Black Lives Matter or I don't know, shit, what you want? So he was like, throw Unity on there. Like, All right, fuck it. i threw Unity on there. We got the same color shirt. It was like a pink shirt. It just said Unity like this. Took it to him, wore it. Left lunch with him, came to the house. Bernie was actually on live that day day ig live and he was discussing like you know the injustice issues and everything like that and i joined the live and he was like yo cute, get in let's talk i'm like right back so i get in i get on the live we talking and he seen the shirt and he kind of seen it like this and he was like what that said i was like unity he was like yo can you make me one he like can i buy one and i was like they not on the site i could just make you one send it like this what you, you know what you want on it what you need you know he was like, you can make that on demand? I said, yeah, I can make it on demand. I can make it right now. Like, <laughs> whatever you want, I got you. He was like, you know what? I want 100 of them. And he invested whatever I needed, whatever amount of money I needed to make all of the T-shirts for the Unity and um, the K-Swiss thing. And that's how that happened. And it went from there. That was his way of showing his support, you know, to me and the brand and my vision. So that was really cool. I appreciate him for that. I love Barney. Yeah, he's a great guy.
0: And how did your relationship with Detroit Bruce start?
2: So Detroit Bruce, most definitely the ambassador for Detroit. He's one of the smoothest guys on this planet. He does this tour. Bruce has so many stories. So, (laughs) and I'm trying to remember like how he really start like his journey, but okay. So of course he's Dan Gilbert, like one of the the billionaire best friend, like that's this guy, like they grew up since childhood. Bruce came to Detroit. He was doing this tour. That's what it is. So it's a tour, because people was kind of saying a lot of things. Like once Dan Gilbert started buying up everything downtown, people was like, "Hey, he's trying to clip. He's trying to kick black people out of Detroit. He trying to do this. He trying to do that. You know." So it was a kind of like a lot of resistance towards that. But Dan I really like that. Dan was just basically like, yo, look, I'm buying everything, I'm building better for everyone. This is for everyone. I want everybody to be able to feel good coming down here to Detroit. You gotta see what's going on. You know, it's that, so that's what Dan doing. Dan building Detroit, and Bruce is the guy to show you what he's doing. Like, yo, come with me. Let me show you around. Let me show you what we've done. Let me show you how we made this look so great. Let me, you know, just come on. So that's what he does. So you, you sign up, you get on Detroit Bruce tour, you meet him downtown at the Quicken Loans headquarters, the Quicker Loans and the StockX headquarters, and he take you around downtown to all the buildings, owns downtown. So you're going through all these buildings, and you're seeing how everything is recreated and rebuilt and what's going on and what's being built next. And it's beautiful down there. It don't look nothing like how it did 20, 10 years ago. Like Dan really did a great job. The city done a great job. So that's how I met Bruce. I seen him on Instagram and I think I messaged him a few times. He's like, yo, get on this tour, let's meet. So I signed up, I get on the tour and we meet. And when I meet him, we instantly like connect. I met him again and I met him again and we became like this, like, that's like my big bro. Like we talk about our kids. We talk about family. We talk about our future, what we want to do. You know, and he just became like he's like one of the greatest persons, one of the greatest people in this world. Like you'll love him. And be trying to collab next month with Tony Harrison, the boxer, for Thanksgiving. And I'm trying to I want trying to get Kate Swiss involved and everything like that. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. Hopefully, we can get you involved. We're just trying to get people involved and see how we can do something for Detroit or whatever the case may be. But, yeah, we can figure everything out.
0: That's cool. I got to ask a couple of funny questions. What is up with the water situation in Detroit?
2: Oh, man. (laughs) So, the water situation, well, I know for a fact, for one, you know, we got, you know, the Flint thing issue. That's still going on. They just did a -a settlement for Flint. Which probably is still not enough because once you do the settlement where everyone is like paying off like an energy bill, but it's not enough. Flint doesn't have a contract with Detroit as far as water. Detroit run like the water system in Michigan. They didn't want to sell their water to Detroit. It kind of sucks because a lot of people got sick. Also,
0: I can't help but not to think about 8 Mile. <laughs> Was it ever beautiful. really
2: like that there? No, it's not. So Eminem, how old is Eminem? Is he like 40-something? Maybe almost 50? I've just turned 30. I'll be 31 in November. So I really don't know. So 8 Mile is not what people think it is. Like, it's actually like (laughs) um, 8 Mile separate Detroit from other cities. Like So it's like if you take Gratiot, this main street called Gratiot, all the way down to 8 Mile, on the other side is Warren or East Point, Roseville. So Eminem actually stayed in a trailer park on the other side of 8 Mile in Warren, like right there somewhat. The shelter is downtown where he like battle-wrapped at, which is still up and beautiful. But the shelter, that's the basement, that's where he battle-wrapped at, like every Thursday or every Friday night. So that that was actually true. But he's from 8 Mile, but on the other side, like Warren. You should get him to wear a Unity shirt. I wish. He's so private. Like, <laughs> Eminem, like, he's here. But the thing is, it's like, you don't really know, like, where he be at. Like, he's so private. And he moved different. Like, he could – I don't I don't know. Like, he had the second burglary. Like, the second person broke into his home, right? And I'm thinking in my head, like, bro, he stayed in Clinton Township. So, he got a house in Clinton Township, which is nowhere from Detroit. Like, not at all. And you live in, like – I maybe to me it's like a regular neighborhood but bro you m M&M. like you can't be regular no more like <laughs> all these people breaking into your house like what's going on and i'm like yo i need to know where his house at because i will throw one of these shirts over the gate like yo this for you g if you wear it you wear it if not fuck it you got it you know <laughs> I'm going to find out somehow, some way, like, and he don't have like, there's no security. Like the same guy broke in there twice. Like where's your security? Like what's going on? But Eminem, cool. You can just tell by his demeanor, like cool guy.
0: Okay. We started this interview and you told me that you walked four hours and avoided coyotes to meet Kanye West. Mm -hmm. And you've got Eminem in your backyard. I have confidence that you can track (laughs) that guy down.
2: I know. I know. I'm, you know what was crazy is that I didn't even think about Eminem at all. I was like, <laughs> yo, Kanye, I got to see, yay. You know, hey, like, I don't care. And Eminem is in the backyard. That is crazy. So I never even thought of that either. Like, I could have just drove and found out, like, all right, where am at? Like, okay. I'll tell my wife that she'd be upset. because She's like, well, you going to Wyoming too soon. Like, why you don't want to wait? I'm like, well, go back home, like, oh, man, you know, Eminem is here. She'd probably be mad. <laughs> like, you should have went to Eminem. So, yeah, I feel like I wouldn't even think.
0: If you need a Kim Kardashian.
2: You the one? Yeah, I'm the one. I could be your go. wing woman. Bet, let's go. <laughs> Who's the
0: next one you're going after?
2: Honestly, I'm going to just try to let this play out. Uh, I'm working with a designer. His name's Z. He's from um, Mississippi. He did a lot of custom work for, like, the Rapid Currency, a few other celebrities. Uh, really dope guy, We doing a collection for November. and a winter, I'm doing like auto wear, so like maybe like utility jackets. You know, just little stuff like that, just trying out new things, because all my collections is very limited, so I don't have a lot of inventory, just sitting and wasting money. So everything is limited. In 2021, I'm working on, my goal is to work on the women's line. I hate the unisex shit and all clothing lines, like local clothes, like unisex, unisex. Like, dude, she don't want to match, her do all the time like (laughs) you know what I'm saying like they you know y'all love the shirts and hoodies from time to time but when you want to be you you should have the choice to be you and if you really love that brand that brand should really be loving you back the same way so we should have some type of section to where we could cater to you all I'm also hopefully like if that go well I would be able to use the money for that and fund it to the accessory line so like the purses, the handbags, clutch purses or whatever for women as well.
0: Anything you want to ask my daddy?
2: Most definitely. Let me see. Well, can I say him some William Palmer gear? Because <laughs> you know we got to make sure he dripping too. We got to make sure he dripping too. He would rock one. Most definitely. Let's make sure he get one.
0: I am so blown away by your story and all that you're doing. And I yeah. hope that you keep you know, passing on that
2: torch? I most definitely will. It's about creating generational wealth, building professional relationships with people and being caring and being loving and spreading positive energies, most of, you know, as much as possible. That's what it's about. You know, we got enough hate in the world right now. So let's continue to strive. Let's continue to um, to conquer. Let's continue to love each other and support each other and unite more. This is great. you like, you blown up like overnight. People love podcasts. Like you pick like the right field. Like this is dope. You are living unity, man. I can't believe you said you hate and dislike
0: no one. I wanna be like that.
2: I had a rough time with loving myself for a long time. Mental health is very important. You have to self-heal. You have to get you together. You have to figure out a way where you can accept and love yourself for you to be able to move on. And a lot of people don't really know how to do that. A lot of people don't even know that they're depressed, which is crazy because they really don't know. But a lot of us are damaged. A lot of us are broken spiritually. And we had to find a way to self-heal and get us together before we can love others. And I learned that. And I'm still kind of battling with that some days, but I'm getting better with it because it's not an overnight process. I'm getting better with it. I'm waking up, figuring out how to get better, being 150% every day. Self-hate is very real. And I just want everybody to like your listeners and everything to understand that because maybe you can save someone. But I was one of them people that did cut on myself. I try to do everything. My last attempt was I stabbed my I stabbed my stuff here. So I got the scar here. The tip of the blade with a steak knife. So the tip of the blade was three centimeters away from my pumping heart. I bled out. And I woke up in the hospital. I was driving on the e-way really fast, bleeding out. And then I was in a psychiatric hospital for like a week or two. And I remember the doctor, he wouldn't give me no medication. I didn't want none, but it was kind of weird. And he brought me in, he said, you different from the others. And he was like, you're not crazy. You're just angry at something. And maybe you can't control it. And we talked, he was like, you have to take it like one day at a time. Take it easy, very easy. And I never forget that. And that was something very powerful because I never heard nobody say take it one day at a time. And he was right. He was like, yo, you battle in yesterday, you battling years ago, and you trying to battle tomorrow. You battle in things that don't exist yet. Focus on today, but work on the, you know, work a little bit for tomorrow. And then when tomorrow get here, then you focus on tomorrow. We don't know how to get better, but we can't get better. If you're not trying to get better, like how can we go into tomorrow if we still stuck in five years ago? But now I had to like learn how to wake up like, yo, let's do this, I can do this, you know, like I am a great dad, I'm a great husband, I'm a great friend, I'm a great brother, I'm a great son, like I gotta I gotta keep going, you know, let's talk to yourself in the mirror, tell yourself, like man, I love you, you got this today, let's go, let's get it, let's do it, you know, I and mean, walk out of the door with positive energy. The mental health is real. I got questions now let's go oh my god (laughs) what were you angry about I think I was just angry about everything not feeling love you know my father like my father we like best friends like right now like that's my guy but growing up without him I think that was one of the reasons I was angry not having my dad around not understanding and my mom she had me when she was young and she had my two other brothers but You know, my mom was more of like, she wasn't mean. She was more like, yo, you don't really know how to like toughen boys up for, to." you know, that's what dad's supposed to do. Like mom's supposed to come home like, well, when the dads get home, like, oh, your daddy here? Cool. Hey, go get on, you know? So being both is very difficult and I know it is. I felt like I wasn't loved the way that I wanted to be. Maybe more conversations would have worked. Maybe more hugs, maybe more kisses would have worked. And I'm serious though, because we have to like hug our kids. Like, come here, let me give me a hug. How was your day at school today? Tell me what happened. What's going on? What happened at practice? What's up? What's going on? I think a lot of that was just built up. Growing up in a neighborhood, being bullied. Growing up in a neighborhood, when you see things going off, you know people getting shot. I didn't see people. I just seen one person get murdered before. Drug dealings. We, I mean, we've seen it all. So we already got PTSD. <laughs> we scared to walk around in the neighborhood. You know, police are always messing with us. I had, you know, this police like this out of the blue get out, pointing guns at us. We teenagers. You know, we all on the wall. They damn near stripped us naked. You know, beat on us a little bit. And you know, it's kind of like, all right, now I hate you. I hate y'all for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, cool. I hate y'all. I got y'all. Cause we yummy, bet. I'ma see y'all. Cool. So we we grown up, like, there's no guidance of any type. It's a lot. But you know what? I don't want to limit it right there. And I hate to say it, but it has to be said. I know this 17-year-old boy. I'm not going to say his name. Um, he's a great kid. I know him. He's skateboard. That's all he do. He did some modeling for me. I didn't see him in a while. So I seen him. I'm like, yo, what's going man? What's going on? And he was like, yo, I was in the hospital. Because I was taking Xanax. He was taking like four a day. He's 17 years old. And he was like, man, I was I was trying to take myself out of there. He was like, but I can't, I can't stop taking these pills. Like, I got to take them. I'm addicted to them. And that blew my mind. Because this is a young white male that's going through worse than what I was going through at 17. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's addicted to, like, this is crazy. It's a difference in suburbs or the hood it might not be the same thing, but it's the same thing. You know, he's like, man, my parents don't know what's going on. They don't help me out a lot. These pills is what, com-. and I'm looking like, dude, like he's staying in the suburbs. You think his life good. You got a 17 year old that's addicted to drugs. He's trying to find a way to get out of it. You know what I'm saying? I feel so bad. I'm like, you know what? I got to stop saying like, you know, we are going through things, but they are too. The government and the media make it seem like it's just us, but it's, it's, it's everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we all need to come get together. Like we gotta we gotta find a way to like stop doing this segregation stuff like yo, that's coming together. Like I got a white dude a white male right here, a young man that have potential that can skate his ass off. He's addicted to Xanax. How do we help him? And we got a 17-year-old black boy, but he's in a game walking around with a handgun. How do we help his PTSD? You know, what do how how do we help these young men? We got to bring them together. We got to figure it out.
0: You know? That's amazing
2: that you care. Yeah, I do. I do a lot. Where was your dad? My dad, what's crazy is that I have a brother. And me and him are two weeks apart. Yeah. So my dad was in a relationship with someone. But he, he cheated on her with my mom. My mom was younger than him, way younger. And he didn't believe I was his. We didn't get the DNA test until I was like 18 years old. My dad been like, he's he's a great guy. He's a hustler. Like that's why I get my hustle from. Like that man can sell anything. Like <laughs> he grind. Like he really do. He grind. His advice is like priceless, and we so so close. Like I wouldn't trade that for anything. And it's never too late. Like when they say that, that's true. It's never too late. Um, but maybe if he was here, I maybe I probably wouldn't have my son at the age of sixteen. You know. I probably would have went to college that I had a scholarship for, but I was in the game. So I got kicked out of all Detroit public schools.
0: I want to know, too, like you're saying things got bad. What happened the day that you stabbed yourself?
2: I was already going through a lot. I had, I lost my job. The mother of my second son, I think I got a tour with her mom. It was something like that. It, It was real heated about something. And I just got to that point where I just blew up. I was just sick of her, you know, I was just sick of her shit. Like I felt like she was always like picking on me cuz she didn't like me since day one. So she was always doing something sneaky. And I remember they was scared that I was going to like attack them. And I hate being treated like that. Like dude, I don't put my hand on women like on any women at all. I remember grabbing a knife and I was just so mad and I just I just like stabbed myself. And it was stuck in there. Like, it broke through the rib cage. The doctor said it was probably, like, two two to three centimeters away. Like, the, the point of part, was beeping, like, pumping. My heart was pumping, like, right at that edge. I missed it by, like, three centimeters. But I took a steak knife, the big, wide one. Oh. Like, the mic, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I know that hurt.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, a stab wound. It's part, it burnt like, oh my God. Like, I couldn't move like none of this at all. Like, and I jumped in the car and drove off and I was bleeding out like crazy. And I'm flying down like 94, we got an intersection, I'm bleeding out and I'm blacking out. I get off on this exit on E course road and I know I end up at a gas station somewhere. I don't know how, and I woke up in a house. I'm in restraints. When I tell people, when people say like, yo, I cut myself, I really stay connected with them because I used to cut myself, and when you cut yourself, all you doing is preparing yourself for the ultimate. You know what I'm saying for the for the final move because it don't hurt. Like cutting myself was nothing to a certain point. Like it didn't even it was numb. Like yo, this I can do this all day because you do it so many times, you get immune to that pain. I did this here. I got three slashes here on my jugular vein. I had stitches in my neck. I slit my throat three times. I really didn't want to be here. Yes, I survived twice, and I tried hanging myself, and my best friend found me in the basement and tackled me off the the um, the pipe thing. I really hated myself for a long time. I just tell people, like, depression is an evil twin. Like, you will tell yourself the most evil things about yourself that nobody will never probably tell you. Yeah, I've been through a lot for sure.
0: Oh my guy. God, I could cry yeah.
2: now. I'm most definitely a survivor, though,
0: I am. What is your thoughts around medication? Do you think that would help or are
2: you anti? The doctor, like he never, he said, I didn't, I didn't need it. He felt like self-healing was something I needed to like do on my own. Cause he's like, when I went in there, I was like, yo, they crazy. <laughs> like, I gotta get out of here. Like, they banging their heads on the lockers, on the walls. And I'm in this room. So they give me this room. And they like, look, you need to like kind of like watch out because we don't lock doors in here. I said, okay. They like, yeah, so you don't know what your roommate might be on. What you mean? Like, So you gotta like probably protect yourself, but you don't lock doors and you know, just kind of like watch yourself and watch your stuff. What? Oh no, I gotta go. That's how I just kind of just medicate myself for like meditation and things like that. But so that I was feel some like fire. you're one of the most positive
0: people I know. I would never imagine that about you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And when I tell my story about that, people be like, yo, bro, like what you mean? Like, you know, I got a lot of like when I tell people that, they'd be like, dude, your messages on Instagram. And so like you help me. But see, I'm able to help you because I know firsthand. You know what I'm saying? I know what it's like to feel like to feel like crap, that self-hate is very, very, is, is real. It really is. You know, living in your past or whatever the case might be is really real. Like people people's actually walking around here like they can't figure it out. They trying to love themselves every day. And they make mistakes by trying to love other people, but they don't know how to love other people because they don't even know how to love themselves. And that's why the relationships be really bad. That's why things get real, real toxic. I agree with
0: you that it is a mental toughness game and the more that you can get your own head, right? I think that affects everybody around you. I definitely it, agree with that.
2: It does, but being real is key. Uh, Thank you, like, you so much. <laughs> I got you sis. I appreciate you. I know we talked for like a long time. But I appreciate you up. too.
0: So daddy, what did you think?
1: Uh, this is the reaction with Quandel, with Rena. I think that uh, this is a guy with tremendous enthusiasm that wants a mentor, wants to see professional people, how they can be successful. He wants to be able to do his thing and learn to be successful with the right tools. He's not afraid of hard work. He puts in the effort, is willing to listen to people with good ideas he wants all people to be able to get along and learn and develop and grow and build on not only his future but he's also looking for generational building which is what all people should be shooting for is not just to live for themselves but to live and pass on wisdom to future generations and hopefully your own generations uh, that you're able to make he's had a very tough childhood A lot of tough realizations. And in the beginning, wasn't sure if he even liked himself and maybe even hated himself. And I think that when you grow up in certain environments, you're a step back. When you don't have a strong family bond, another step behind. When you have tough gang friends, another step behind. And uh, Wayne, if you just keep going on, there's going to be so many steps behind. Where do you get ahead? In any of this, a person that's even attempted to even kill himself, how can you possibly get ahead? And yet, all of these missteps, all of these terrible experiences look at human nature. Look what God gives us the opportunity after seeing all these bad choices. We say, hey, no more spaghetti and meatballs for me. I wanna make good decisions, I wanna be positive. I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be around people that are successful. I want to be successful. I want to make my own brand of clothes that people made fun of me with what I wore when I was growing up and I started my own trend. I put my name on my own pants. When I was growing up, I used to rip my pants. And still, I couldn't afford to get a new pair of pants. I only had hand-me-downs from my cousins. And I started a trend many years ago also, because I went to school with ripped pants. People made fun of me. And now wherever I look on every single corner, people are wearing jeans with ripped knees, ripped holes in them all over the place. And I said, golly, people are paying good money for these jeans. And they could have had any of my hand-me-downs with all the rips in them. No extra charge for that. And the funny part is, is that what seems to be odd at times, it's all in the mind. If you have the right attitude about it, it actually helps build you and make you better and stronger for the future. And who would have guessed that somebody with all of this charisma and go get it. You're a hustler where you go get it and don't take no for an answer is because of all of the things that you've suffered through and you don't have time to suffer any longer. You have only time to try to search out things that are going to make you feel better and are going to make you better and you're willing to go out there and get it. And I love the story about walking out to see one of your idols. I think even uh, Rena knew that I was a big fan growing up He's not that much older than me, of uh, Jim Plunkett, and got me a, uh, a phone call with him. And the funny part is, is that he asked me what I thought about how the Raiders were doing. And I says, you know, they got off to a great start. They got these injuries. I, I started giving all these excuses why they lost. I was rooting for the Jets, and I think uh, Denver uh, beat them. And uh, he says, still, you got to root for your, the AFC. You got to root for Denver to win the Super Bowl, which they went ahead and did. He made it very clear to me is that whether it's injuries or it's setbacks or bad play, there's just no excuse, he said, for losing. You find a way to win. And I never forgot that. It was a good reminder because he also had to overcome such adversities in his life. And what did he say? There's no excuse for losing. You want to be a winner, you have to overcome whatever is thrown at you. By doing that, you have a chance to be a winner. No excuses
0: in football. <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Rin10 Media. If you wanna look and sound your best for a podcast of your own, you wanna get in touch with Ren 10 Media. When I first contacted them, Better Call Daddy was just a twinkle in my daddy's eye. And now, only after a couple months in, we're at like 50 episodes. Reach out to info at ren10media.co.za and use the subject line Better Call Daddy. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and tune in. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at renafriedmanwatts on LinkedIn.com. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show.